Chapter Four of *The Girls of Gardenville* by Carol Watson Rankin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: How Caroline Improved the Cooking. One. Although Caroline was popular, she was not a particularly useful member of the Sweet Sixteen. Besides proving utterly unable to manage the club's pecuniary affairs. It was discovered that Caroline fell far short of perfection when it came to making candy. Indeed, honesty had compelled her to confess that the only way she could have made the corn balls credited to her was to have Tom pop the corn and Nora make the syrup. After that, said Caroline, I can make the balls. Her mother's kitchen, however, was big and pleasant. Mrs. Flanders was hospitable and always moderately generous with her sugar and butter. So, in spite of the fact that the results of Caroline's attempts at candy making were usually too bad for even the not over particular members of the club to eat, Caroline remained an honored member. But as time proved conclusively, candy was not the only thing that Caroline could not cook, although she was decidedly particular about what she ate. I despise mashed potatoes," said she one day at dinner, "and I perfectly abominate lamb chops." This one isn't even cooked through. Try this one," said her father pleasantly. "This celery's fine," said Tom, passing the dish. "It's all strings," returned his sister ungraciously. "Don't you like the butter beans?" asked Mrs. Flanders. Caroline shrugged her shoulders. "I might if they were properly cooked," she muttered. "There isn't half enough salt in them." Patient Mrs. Flanders sighed. This evidently was to be one of Caroline's trying days. I think," said her mother, "that Nora does very well. You know she has been in this country only a short time, and she is only a little older than you. She, she's a lot smarter," interrupted Tom. I was going to say," continued Mrs. Flanders, with a warning glance at Tom, "that it's really surprising how quickly she has learned American ways." Much of her cooking is astonishingly good, but Caroline continued to grumble even to the very end of the very excellent meal. The bread she averred was too heavy, the butter balls were too large, the pudding too sweet, the finger bowls too full. When I keep house, was her parting shot. I shall have decent things to eat. There are days, said Mrs. Flanders, when the door had been closed behind her grumbling daughter, when Caroline seems utterly unreasonable. The worst of it is that it is largely our own fault. We've always encouraged her to express her opinions freely. Yes, agreed Mr. Flanders. We've sat back and applauded when we should have punished her. Mother says she's about as badly spoiled as a really nice girl can be. Who began it? I should like to know. Asked Mrs. Flanders, instantly bridling. Didn't Grandma Flanders give her the sugar bowl every time she cried for it? And didn't she even let her pound the library table with a hammer when nothing else would satisfy her? Of all doting grandmothers, mother is a bit soft-hearted," agreed Caroline's father. "Why," pursued Mrs. Flanders, "you yourself." "I know, I know," returned Mr. Flanders hastily. "But Caroline isn't a child any longer. Why don't you let her try her hand at the cooking for a while, since she isn't satisfied with the present arrangement? Perhaps she'll enjoy her meals better if she prepares them herself. That's not a bad idea," replied Mrs. Flanders. "I've promised Nora a week's vacation very soon. 
While she's away, I shall give Caroline a few lessons. I should, agreed Mr. Flanders. Every girl ought to learn to cook, and her mother's the person to teach her. But Caroline never received the lessons. Nora had been gone less than twenty-four hours when a telegram called Mrs. Flanders to the bedside of an alarmingly sick mother. "'Go right along and never mind the house,' said Caroline in a convincing tone. "'Don't worry about the cooking. I believe I have a natural gift for it.' Tom giggled. "'I can make glorious popcorn balls.' "'When I pop the corn,' retorted Tom. "'And heavenly toast, provided somebody else makes the bread and the fire,' teased Tom. "'Don't discourage her,' said Mr. Flanders. "'I'm willing to give her a chance.' "'If worse comes to worse,' suggested Tom, "'there's an excellent restaurant right across the street from your office.' "'We shan't starve to death,' agreed Mr. Flanders, "'in any case.' "'Well,' said Mrs. Flanders, "'I shall have to go whether Caroline can cook or not, "'and I'm pretty sure she can't. "'Perhaps you can induce Nora's married sister to come for a few days.' "'There won't be the slightest necessity,' said Caroline rather loftily. "'We're going for once to have our beefsteak properly broiled. "'There are some things that I can't do, "'but I'm sure that cooking isn't one of them.' "'I wish I were,' murmured Tom.' "'By the way, father,' said Caroline, "'you needn't feel the slightest hesitation "'about bringing a friend home to dinner "'if you happen to feel like it. "'I'm going to be like Mrs. Dillman "'and always keep an extra place set at the table "'for possible guests.' "'This was said with a newborn air of dignity "'that sat somewhat ludicrously "'upon Caroline's sixteen-year-old shoulders. "'The patronizing tone of her voice "'was too much for Tom, who snickered outright.' "'You may laugh if you want to,' said the confident cook, "'but you are to have a good dinner tonight for once in your life. "'I mean to devote the entire afternoon to cooking it.' "'Of course, in the bustle of hurried departure, "'Mrs. Flanders had no time that day to give culinary instructions. "'But it is doubtful if Caroline, in her exalted frame of mind, "'would have profited by anything of the kind. "'The coast was clear at last. "'Caroline, with a business-like air, put on the very biggest apron that she could find, and started to inspect her domain. There was meat in the icebox. Caroline, who had hoped that there might be, eyed it with satisfaction. But this feeling presently gave way to doubt. "'I suppose it's either mutton, veal, beef, or pork,' said Caroline, touching it gingerly with one reluctant finger. "'But there doesn't seem to be any distinguishing mark.' I should think the butcher would label things when there isn't any fur or feathers or wool left on them. However, continued Caroline, carrying the meat to the kitchen table, it doesn't matter particularly as long as it's meat. I'll just read up the directions for cooking all four and then choose the easiest way. Caroline's search among the pantry shelves was finally rewarded. Dusty but triumphant, she climbed to earth again. "'Here's the book,' said she, placing it beside the meat and sitting down to read. "'Make a dressing. Well, it isn't veal, at any rate, because there isn't any place in it to put dressing. "'Baste well. Now what does that mean? Oh, I know. They sew it up in a cloth. Put an apple in the mouth. Goodness, that's for a whole pig.' Caroline turned over the page. "'Pshaw,' said she. This cookbook's no good. I'll just cook the thing, whatever it is, in the oven, the way Nora does. 
So Caroline slid the thing, which happened to be a leg of mutton, from its plate into a roasting pan, and without further preliminaries carried it to the oven, pushed it in, and closed the door. "'Why!' exclaimed the astonished cook, "'there isn't a scrap of fire in the stove. "'It's a good thing there's plenty of time.' "'It was a good thing, too, that there was plenty of kindling, "'or the fire might never have started. "'The stove smoked furiously, for, of course, "'Caroline could not cook and think of opening drafts at the same time, "'but presently the smoke subsided. "'I suppose,' said Caroline doubtfully, "'there ought to be vegetables.' "'Sweet peas go with lamb and applesauce with roast pork, "'because it says so in the cookbook. "'But I don't know what kind. "'Never mind, potatoes will be safe with anything.' "'Whereupon some unwashed white and sweet potatoes "'followed the meat into the oven. "'It seems to me that I should have something cooking "'on top of the stove,' said Caroline, "'looking around with a perplexed air. "'Nora always does. "'Oh, coffee, of course. "'But how lonesome the coffee pot looks.' "'There ought to be something boiling in a saucepan, but what?' "'An eager survey of the pantry shelves brought a bag of cranberries to light. "'Good!' cried Caroline. "'I'll make jelly of those cranberries. "'If that meat should happen to be venison, there ought to be jelly to go with it.' "'There,' said she, sometime later when the cranberries were beginning to bob up and down in the water. "'Who says I can't cook? "'Now I guess I'd better set the table.' Two. Caroline lingered lovingly over the task of setting the table. About this, at any rate, she had definite ideas. The table, when set, looked so very well indeed that no one, least of all Caroline, would have suspected that the salt, napkins, carving knife, and tablespoons were missing. Nora, said Caroline, does have so little originality about setting a table. I suppose I'd better be stirring those cranberries. "'Mercy, I hope they haven't boiled over.' They had not. Instead, the fire had gone out. Caroline rebuilt it cheerfully, adding a solitary stick of hardwood to the kindling and lighted it. "'What was I going to do next?' said the girl, eyeing the smoking stove inquiringly. "'Oh, I know, decorations.' She went to the garden, where she gathered flowers for the table and a large bunch of parsley. The garden was sweet and comforting after the smoky kitchen, and the cook lingered long over the parsley bed. When she finally returned to the kitchen, the fire had gone out again. Caroline gave a gasp of astonishment, not unmixed with dismay. Then, with an anxious glance at the clock, she again rekindled the fire. "'A whole hour, thank goodness,' said Caroline, with a sigh of relief. "'Surely that should be time enough for anything to cook. I never could see how Nora could keep so busy with such a little bit of work to do.' Then she gets herself so unnecessarily mussy, too. Now I, Caroline glanced complacently at her reflection in the tiny mirror above the sink, and was not a little surprised to discover a long black streak down one side of her nose. Why, she exclaimed, where in the world did I get that? When she had washed her face and hands and smiled at the not unpleasing reflection in the little mirror, she turned to inspect her fire. It was out. "'This,' said Caroline crossly, "'is an abominable stove. "'If I ever buy one, it won't be this kind.' "'After rebuilding her fire, "'she devoted fifteen minutes to the making of one butterball. "'She dropped it four times, and each time it fell, "'some of it remained sticking to the floor. "'The grooved boards became sticky and would not work. 
The completed ball was woefully grimy in appearance and was certainly anything but round. Caroline consigned it to the stove and decided that plain butter was good enough for the Flanders family, although less than a week previously she had found fault, one busy Monday, because Nora had been too busy to make the butter into the neat little balls that were seemingly so easy for Nora to make. Even cutting the bread presented hitherto unsuspected difficulties. "'Hello, the cook,' cried a hearty voice from the hallway half an hour later. "'How's the dinner?' "'Almost ready,' replied Caroline, who had just emptied her first decidedly unsuccessful attempt at gravy over the back fence. "'I'll have it on the table presently.' "'There's no hurry,' said Mr. Flanders considerately. "'Good thing,' muttered the cook, stirring flour and water for more gravy. "'But anyway, it won't be more than twenty minutes late if I have luck.' "'What's happened here?' asked Tom, coming in at the back door. "'It looks very much as if you'd murdered somebody in the kitchen, dragged the body through the shed, and buried it in the back yard.' "'That's cranberry jelly,' explained Caroline, crawling behind the stove to rescue a fugitive potato. "'I wish you'd go out to the kitchen and stay out till dinner's ready. I can't cook with boys around.' "'Can you when they're not?' queried Tom teasingly. "'You'll see if I can't in just about ten minutes from now,' said the cook confidently. At last the dinner was on the table. The roast, elaborately garnished with parsley, looked very much like one of Nora's roasts, for the abundant parsley concealed certain scarlet rivulets that trickled over the platter. The potatoes looked well, too. Neither Caroline nor her family suspected that they were of adamantine hardness.' What was left of the jelly, by the time Caroline had succeeded in transferring it from the saucepan to the glass dish, looked positively tempting. Tom took a generous spoonful and made a wry face. Mr. Flanders caught his son's eye and shook his head. Tom, who had opened his mouth to speak, obediently closed it, but he continued to make horrible faces. "'Dear me,' thought Caroline, swallowing a tart mouthful. "'I measured that sugar, but I'm afraid I forgot to put it in.' During the meal, Caroline made trip after trip to the sideboard, the china closet, and the pantry for missing articles. Mr. Flanders sliced a few morsels from the outside of the very much underdone mutton. Caroline was glad to know, at least, that it was mutton, and ate as much as he dared of the almost raw potatoes. Even the coffee was not what Caroline's fancy had pictured it. It was muddy and contained fragments of some extraneous matter, when Caroline lifted the cover of the coffee pot to allow the steam to escape, she was horrified to discover a poached egg floating serenely like a ship upon a dark brown sea. She had dropped an unbeaten egg into the boiling coffee, and there it was, cooked. Mr. Flanders ate bread and butter and chatted pleasantly with his somewhat crestfallen daughter. Not a word did he say about the unpalatable food. "'There's chivalry for you,' thought Tom." or can it be that father's setting Caroline a shining example? But in spite of her father's tact, Caroline did not enjoy her dinner. She realized that it was, in all probability, the very worst meal that had ever been served beneath the Flanders' roof. The poor cook was not chagrined to eat even bread and butter. "'By the way,' said Mr. Flanders, "'I saw some particularly fine oranges down street today. They're in the front hall.' Get them, Tom, and we'll see if they're as good as they look. We had so much else, explained Caroline apologetically, that I thought I wouldn't make any dessert. 
i'm glad you didn't said mr flanders with a perfectly solemn countenance yes echoed tom with a countenance that struggled not altogether successfully to be solemn i'm glad you didn't caroline never forgot the week that followed it was a dreadful week she mastered one culinary difficulty only to fall into another her pie crust was like leather and her muffins were like lead everything went to the table either burned to a crisp or raw in the middle there was no limit to her ambition but she grew humble at last she learned to boil potatoes to make tea and to scramble eggs but her conscience would not permit her to serve this trustworthy combination more than once each day tom indeed taught her to make coffee and to fry potatoes but tom's cooking like caroline's left much to be desired mr flanders and tom fortified themselves each noon with a good meal at the restaurant otherwise it is doubtful if they would have survived the week caroline ate baker's bread and milk and the fruit her father was careful to bring her she could not touch her own cooking indeed she felt that she never wanted to see another scrambled egg but the longest week does not last forever on her return nora was amazed at the warmth of usually indifferent caroline's greeting at the condition of the kitchen floor and at the size of the girl's appetite how nice these lamb chops are said the deposed cook at dinner that night and oh aren't these the nicest mashed potatoes i think nora is the very cleverest person i know i have the profoundest respect for anybody that can cook five or six things at once and get them all done at precisely the same moment instead of having the soup come lagging along about an hour behind time i think i shall drop everything else and take cooking lessons this summer i'll pay for them promised mr flanders promptly i don't promise to eat the results said tom but i'll get my life insured and then i'll do the best i can End of chapter 4